and he started dating a porn star. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. Joining me today is Paddy Higgs. Hello. Ryan Kent. Hey. And making his debut, his podcast debut, it's Danny Isaroff. How you doing? How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome. It's the, uh, I feel like Alexandri Pato with my uh, <laughs> long-awaited, long-awaited debut. Uh, Paddy, you're the sort of chippy Australian. Ryan is the dour mank. Yes. How, what sort of, what sort of stereotype can we crowbar Danny into? It's a little bit of a melting pot. Of, it's tough. Of, yeah, yeah, I mean, Danny, you pro- probably can help us out yourself. That uh, kind of depends what we're talking about. I want to be an expert in different areas. <laughs> He's not quite the loudmouthed American. Not quite. Let's go sophisticated New Yorker. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that works. Um, straying away from sophistication, I've got an embarrassing story I want to tell you. Please. Right. More, more. Wait, before we go further, we should just point out it's nice to have Ryan back. And, oh, yes. uh, you know, after a week absence, of course, a late scratching, if you will. Um, Are we talking about this right Injured now? himself in, in, in the warm-up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good to have you back, Ryan. How, how's the head? Yeah, it's recovered. You know, it's yeah. been a week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you, have you been able to piece together what exactly happened that night yet? Not really, no. Like, maybe 10% <laughs> of it. Um, I was so shocking the next day. Like... The, we cr- recorded the podcast at what six, yeah. and I still couldn't do it at that time. <laughs> it's impressive on a school night too. On a school yeah. night, yeah. 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 Okay, that's embarrassing. But I've got something more embarrassing to tell you. Go for it. Right, years and years ago. Well, my mum, my mum has always been into amateur dramatics, and in fact, she's in a play right now. So if you're in the if you're in the South Dublin region and you see notice for uh, Pride and Prejudice, you might want to check that out. Free plug. Free plug. Uh, so she's always been into amateur dramatics. And as any sort of, uh, you know, kind of nice son, I decided to try get into it for a while. And I went to this um, this group in, in uh, where I was raised and it was in this sort of dingy, dark area. And from my memories that it was always raining there. So I decided to, you know, give this amateur dramatics thing a go. We did one play. And in it, it was it was kind of set around Halloween time, and we did one play, and I was a ghost <laughs> in this play. You know, the typical ghost costume, the sheet over the head, the eyes cut out. Mind you, I'm a teenager at this age. I don't know why what I was thinking because I was a very awkward teenager. So I don't know what that's I was. That's why thinking. they put a sheet on you. That's, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I was trying to get into. But I had one line in the whole in the whole uh, play. Can you remember it? Was, it? Uh, I can remember and this is the sort of embarrassing thing it was I am your ghost but I won't be your host (laughs) (laughs) the ghostess with the mostess I I, I don't know where this came from I think I might have actually written the line myself but it's one of the more one of the more embarrassing aspects or incidents of my youth and today you're the host and not the ghost yeah Yeah. it works on a few levels It it does work on a few levels but I was reminded of this story because during the week Fabian Delph had some interesting quotes. He did. He did have some interesting quotes, didn't he? Ryan, you were all over this story. Yeah, he kind of took the headlines earlier this week that um, Fabian Delph had admitted to um, being haunted by at least four ghosts in his lifetime. Um, what kind of ghost, I don't know, because it, it kind of annoys me when people say, I've seen a ghost. Like, he, he didn't describe it, which is the first thing that annoyed me. Like, was it a woman? Was it a man? Was it like a. Casper. 
Could have been a dinosaur for all we know, like ghost dinosaur. But um, <laughs> ghost dinosaur. I've never seen it. I've never even heard of a ghost dinosaur before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it defies logic. I mean, if people believe in ghosts, that's fair enough. You know, it's not within without the realm of possibility, impossibility, whatever. Um, but yeah, apparently he saw one his last one a few months ago in his bedroom, which was carrying a body. What kind of body? I don't know. Like, was it a dog? <laughs> a baby. A dinosaur. A dinosaur. <laughs> a dinosaur, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it went onto his balcony and disappeared. Um, so if I saw a ghost in my bedroom, I'd be out there the next day, to be honest. Like, what's he doing? And uh, Oh, he stayed in the apartment? He's still living in the apartment? I assume so. House? I think it was his bedroom, yeah. But I do we know if the ghost was, like, part of the house or just some something that he sees? Well, no, that's the interesting thing. So I actually, I went and tracked down the original video and uh well of the ghost no of, of <laughs> not not of the ghost of of uh delf and it's not like you know people sort of see ghosts and they see something in the curtains or there's a some sort of visual oddity or something wrong delf sat there watching what he he believed to be a ghost kind of hiding under his blanket for not for like a a second but for like a little while and uh, he said he was absolutely terrified but um was it an Aston Villa fan yeah it could have been <laughs> could have been definitely could have been but going back i mean if this was a ghost that is you know um i guess attached to that house to that you know to where he's living then he probably should move because i mean i've seen paranormal activity it'd be a you know Pardon? city of waste city of wasted their money if he's going to go possessed in the next eight or, eight or so did weeks. you just say you've seen paranormal activity yeah have you not seen it the movie oh i, yeah. thought, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant in general you'd uh, seen paranormal activity absolutely i've seen the first one the second one the third <laughs> one but i haven't seen any in uh in real, in real life, life. Yeah. Oh, the closest i've come is ghostbusters yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but footballers are prone to odd behaviour. It doesn't get much more odd than that, but there are there are a lot. Well, I think I might be able to beat Fabian Delph on that one. Go for it, Adrian Muto. Remember him? Yeah. How could you forget? How could you forget? Right. So after Adrian Muto's um, marriage broke up, he sort of went off the rails. If you call dating a porn star going off the rails, <laughs> wait, just to backtrack a bit, was this? Uh, after he left Chelsea, after the you know, the cocaine, I think he had left Parma okay. for Chelsea. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, he his marriage broke up, and he started dating a porn star and doing lots of cocaine. Yes, that is <laughs> documented. He has done lots of cocaine. Anyway, there was also lots of four in the bed romps. Ah. <laughs> and actually, one of the reasons Mudu gave for uh, get, uh, having to take cocaine was to keep up with. Uh, these activities, ah, so to speak. But one of the activities uh, that the Mutu got up to with his porn star friend was uh, that he drank her blood. Oh, What? Yeah, he drank her blood. I don't, and, I don't in know. A, and in a hilarious coincidence, she's from Transylvania. I don't know how I feel no, about this. No. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, that's interesting to me. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, but it's better than something David Beckham does, like... How is it? Yeah. <laughs> incredibly dull. And then you got this story about Mewtwo drinking someone's blood. I mean, that is that okay. is a good story. Quick question. I don't know if it's a good story. It's an interesting story. So Would I, just you rather... on, I just want to add on a quote from her. Yeah, sure. Yeah. She said, I was very surprised, even though I'm from Transylvania, but it was a very erotic moment, and in seconds we were kissing passionately. <laughs> <laughs> Meant for each other, clearly. Quick question. Yeah. Ian, would you rather see Fabian Delph's ghost or drink Arjun Mutu's porn star wife's blood? Hmm. I think I'm, I think I would go for the blood. 
Ooh, I'd go the ghost. No blood. I think, I think blood. The ghost. You see, I feel like you could wash out the taste of the blood. Yeah, You're never going to be able to wash your eyes after seeing a ghost. You need to test the blood first, I think, if it's a pasta. How much blood? Very good. Can I just add one last thing about Mutu? Because I also found an interesting story. He, he apparently wears his underwear inside out what? For, for matches. This is true. And he, he claims it's because, uh, I quote, Curses cannot touch me because I wear my underwear inside out. That's probably the most normal thing about him after we've learnt today, uh, to be honest. It's true, but yeah. he is, uh, he's a bit of a strange he guy. He puts it on new, or he wears it one day and then turns it around the next day. You know what I'm going to ask him? I, I don't actually know. Yeah, I should but find it's it It's an out. interesting character, Adrian Mudo. But I've got a good superstition, actually. It's, uh, a personal from, superstition or a football no, superstition? No, a football one. Like, I read it this week, actually. It's kind of vague information about it online, so I don't know how much of it is actually true. Um, from like, deepest, darkest Zimbabwe, some um, football team, obviously a run of bad results. Um, the coach felt that he needed to kind of cleanse the team of bad spirits. So for some strange reason, he takes them down to the river um, and 16 of them get into the river to cleanse themselves. Um, and I don't know whether they knew about it at the time, but apparently it was quite crocodile infested part of the river um, so when they emerged there was one less footballer um, well, what do they say about trimming the herd <laughs> I'm just trying to find a positive in all this <laughs> maybe they couldn't sell the guy and it was a way to get rid of him or something. Yeah, do we know how the results went after this I don't know what happened well, I think I, I, I've read this story too uh, they lost the next game uh, yeah, I'm not surprised yeah that's geez, that's an awkward one, isn't it? A little bit of a waste, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. At least if they'd won, they're like, well, you know, sacrifice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paddy, did you want to throw in your own I mean, footballers being odd? Nothing story? Nothing that compares to those ones, to be honest. I mean, uh, I always just liked the the stories of the players. We, you know, we consider them because they obviously earn a lot more money than us. You know, that's why we sit around talking about them. They don't sit around talking about us. Um, but they, you know, can often become quite vain and, and very much, you know, into their uh, appearances. And there was a, a player for um, West him at the time, Alessandro Diamante, who has also played, obviously, in, in Italy for quite some time, in Asia as well. You know, a, a striker of some repute, you would say, um, but he was a really big fan of his hair. Like, he just loved... He he wouldn't run out and, unless he had the right, you know... He everything had fabulous was, hair, if I He had fabulous correctly. hair. And, like, it was, it was chaotic. It was, you know, curly in some spots, wavy in the others, you know, he's just... I mean, but everything, that was all planned down to the last strand and... Um, he, you know, he made a, a point of making sure he brought his own, you know, salon quality hair dryer to every every away game. Yeah, really? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. Just to interject. I, I went and played in Italy at one point, and in every dressing room, home and away, they have sets of hair dryers. Yeah. And you go after the game, and the Italian players have all showered, and they're all standing there with no clothes on, just yeah. drying their hair. Yeah. To be fair, they do have incredible hair. <laughs> well, this is, you know, he wouldn't even take one of those generic ones that they had. Oh, okay. you know, he had to take his own ones, especially to the away games, where he couldn't trust if he had a you know reliable hairdresser. Uh, sorry, a hairdryer. And, uh, yeah, there was one, I think it was an away game for, for Wigan, uh, against Wigan. He was playing four. West Ham and 
couldn't find any plugs after the game in the actual change rooms. So he went out into the tunnel and was drying his hair <laughs> um, in the tunnel in the players' race, drying his hair to, you know, obviously get it um, to a point where he was pretty happy with it. And Roberto Martinez, who was coaching Wigan at the time, came out and told him to unplug it because it was too loud and, you know, it was disturbing the, the team's, you the know. Preparations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So not quite ghost or blood, but still, I mean, the lengths that he went to, to making sure that that hair was was spot on. Yeah, yeah. he did this before the game as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, he did before the game as well. Yeah, I'm that's sure he would. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look you at some of the look at some. That's, of the, that's when you have to look good. Yeah, yeah TV. exactly. No one, no one yeah. photographs you when you're getting on the bus after the game, Ryan. It's it's the 90 minutes when you're out on the pitch that count. <laughs> right. Uh, all this talk of footballers being odd, you would think that there was actually no football played during the week, but there was actually quite a bit. Um, not all of it very good. Some of it was slightly below par, as in France, Danny. It wasn't the greatest game, was it? It was an exciting game, but quality-wise... Yeah, definitely a bit short on quality. Um, but but yeah, no, it was, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed watching it. I think... From a French perspective, it was disappointing for PSG. I think they uh, they they really expected to head to the Etihad. I mean, they're big favourites. They're, they're the better side. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And um, but you think Manchester City are the better side than PSG? No, no. I think PSG are the better side. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think anyone would really dispute that. No, at, at, no. at this point. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think PSG are in a, a a difficult position. I mean, it's been their ambition to to make the the, the semi-finals for a few years now and, and you felt like they they had a good chance. Now we'll see. So there's going to be no Blaise Matuidi. That's a disadvantage right away. Yeah, huge, huge. And uh, not only no Matuidi, there's going to be no uh, Verratti as well. Laurent Blanc had said neither Verratti nor Pastori, who would almost certainly come into the midfield to, mm-hmm. to replace one of them, uh, will be available. So they're going to be very short in midfield PSG. I think uh, I think that could give an edge to, to City in the second they're line. They're going to be short in the centre of defence too because there's no David Luiz. No David Luiz, although that might be a bit of a blessing in disguise. Well, based on, uh, this is interesting because I didn't think David Luiz played that badly, but there's a sort of, there's a narrative there, a story that there that David Luiz is this error-prone, bad player. When in reality, like you saw some of his performances for Chelsea, he really wasn't that bad a player. And I don't think it's even a, a quality thing, you know, in terms of you know how he actually performs as well. I think Luis is from what we can gather, some sort of a calming influence in the in you know on the pitch as well. Mm-hmm. Because at, at most of his clubs and even for his country, you could argue that there's guys on the bench who are Probably better players, you know. Uh, Marquinhos at, at PSG, a lot of people would argue is at least the equal. But Luis is by far and away um, the starter ahead of Marquinhos because of the the leadership role that he can play. The fact that he gets the players going, um, people like to play around him, and I think that's a difference. And the partners, the the Brazilian partnership in the centre of defence is obviously good for understanding in a key position. Correct. That's what I was going to say. I think they have a good understanding, Thiago Silva and David Luiz. And he uh, he was booked, obviously. I think it was the earliest ever booking. In, yeah, what was in, it, like 11 seconds or something like that? 15 seconds or yeah. something ridiculous. Um, but I actually thought he did he did all right after that. He made a huge mistake for the, the first uh, City goal. He tried to intercept the pass, I think, from Fernandinho. Didn't you think that was just a good pass? 
No, I think if if uh, David Luiz, instead of trying to intercept the ball, I don't know, he's sticking his leg behind his other leg, I think if he'd gone to close De Bruyne down, because De Bruyne had a, actually quite a tight angle. Yeah. He wasn't very central, and I think if he'd, if he'd got there a bit early to put some, some pressure on, that could have avoided the goal. But um, I, I don't think he was that bad, and I think he, he will actually be a, a, a big miss along with the, the, the midfielders for, for PSG. Let's talk about De Bruyne in a second, but first, uh, it was the return of Serge Aurier. It was the return of Serge Aurier um, after is, his after his words about Laurent Blanc. Absolutely, and I, I think I said at the time to the to the guys in the newsroom that uh, the, the punishment was really soft. I mean, it was basically three weeks in in the reserves. It's a it's a slap on the wrist, and the the reason why, and they timed it perfectly, was so that he could come back for the the, the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And it makes a mockery of Blanc. In, it, my, it, in my opinion, it makes a mockery. It, of Blanc. it really does. So we'll see. I mean, it's definitely a gamble from 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 their perspective in terms of uh, the squad harmony and the the respect that the the players are going to have for Laurent Blanc going forward. But uh, I, I think his performance was was really good. So so we'll see. He obviously, um, you know, slipped and, you know, it was unfortunate to have played a part in that goal, Aurier. I didn't see a lot of players go to him and sort of, you know, pat him on the back and say, oh, you know, bad luck, da da da. And I think, do you think that that's maybe a little bit of the, the standing that he has in the squad that he has to win this trust back a little bit? I think so. I do think so. I think David Lewis was the only one who kind of went over to him and, and said something. I think it's difficult. I mean, some players came out and, and, and spoke out against uh, Aurier. Um, but not, not Matuidi, who's a key influence there. Not right? Matuidi. Apparently, there was a little bit of a, a, a dressing room disagreement between Zlatan and some of the guys who are in Aurier's camp. Um, and and yeah, I mean, there's definitely it. It, it certainly hasn't helped the the sort of dressing room situation. Uh, but PSG have taken the view that he's a key player. He he's much better than the alternatives at right Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and and that's what they're going to do. So we'll see. We'll see if it pays off. A quick word about Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, I mean, he's. Uh, I think he was. I don't know about you guys. I think he was terrific. He's a brilliant uh, player. Ter- isn't terrific he? on Wednesday, and he's a huge, huge addition for for City, um, especially in those in those European away games. Uh, what he's able to do on the break, his his decision making, and the, the pace at which he's able to 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 make things happen is is, is so important. Um, and yeah, I think he was vital for City. I think he's really a class apart for City. I mean, you think the stars that they've bought over the past few years, De Bruyne. I think even he is a class apart from the rest of those guys, apart from like maybe Aguero. Mm-hmm. De Bruyne is definitely a key part of City's close future. Um, and I really think he's the guy that's kind of is going to be the heart and soul of Pep's new team next season. I think with Torre leaving that kind of central forward area, um, De Bruyne is the kind of guy that Pep can work around. And uh, just to highlight sort of De Bruyne's importance, he's actually scored three goals in his last three appearances for City, if you include the, the game he got injured against Everton in January. So that's three goals in 157 minutes. I mean, his production is just just really, really big for them. Yeah, final prediction? You know what, I think the injury and suspension situation gives City the edge, especially if uh, Vincent Company is about is, is able to come back. Um, they're in a great position. I think there's that statistic that 80% of teams who, who draw 2-2 in the away first leg go through, and I think City will, will follow that. Uh, so, Paddy, last week I got the shock of my life when I realised Tim Cahill was still playing and still scoring goals. This week the shock of my life came when... 
I realised Wolfsburg had done one over Real Madrid. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very very uh, intriguing night of football. I mean, if you go back a few days and have a look at the the contrasting fortunes of these two clubs, Wolfsburg had lost three nil to Bayer Leverkusen in a game dubbed. El Plastico because of the uh, <laughs> their background with big corporations, um, whereas Real Madrid had, had beaten Barcelona in El Clasico, and then you get to uh, yeah the, they meet you know in the Champions League and Wolfsburg prevailed two zero. It was incredible. Um, there were a lot of ways to look at this game. Most of them before the game was it was going to be a one sided affair. Right. Um, an interesting sort of move even before you know the the, the whistle. The first whistle blew was the the, inc- the inclusion of this Brazilian guy called um, Bruno Henrique, which who had only played 101 minutes in the Bundesliga since joining Wolfsburg in January. So hardly considered a key player. He had a few cameos where he showed a little, but not a lot. And and um, Wolfsburg started him um, and you know uh, contributed the second assist. Um, sorry, the assist to the second goal. Uh, they just it was it was a, just a completely different team, and and it looked like that Real Madrid were ready to just coast through this match, um, but Wolfsburg went out like a team on a mission, and, and yeah, certainly completed it. A word about Marcelo. Yeah, that's uh, one of the worst I've seen for a it's while. It's really hard to defend any part of that. Do you want to describe it for anybody who's missed out on it? Yeah, I mean, uh, so um, what happened? Um, Max uh, Maximilian Arnold um, and and uh, had fouled Marcelo, and um, at that point uh, Arnold was looking elsewhere, but the the, the players were still quite close together. Um, Marcelo bumped into um, Arnold while going to pick up the ball. Um, Arnold reacted um, without sort of, you know, nothing too untoward, um, sort of at least sort of, uh, you know. He stood nudged, his ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And perhaps, you know, maybe nudged the the, the body of, of Marcelo who went down like he'd been shot you know, by a sniper in the crowd. And, uh, right between the eyes. Yeah. yeah. And luckily enough, I mean, it wasn't even a yellow card for Arnold, but lucky enough that was as bad as it got because it would have been an absolute travesty if, uh, if Marcelo had got his way and Arnold had got a red card. Danny, as a former professional footballer, where do you stand on these sort of antics? Because I was listening to a podcast with Damien Duff recently and he was saying, look, you got to use the dark arts. So so in some cases, I think the, the Marcelo example is ridiculous. I mean, that's just, it's a nothing and he's made an absolute meal of it. But I, I think some things are more sort of uh, acceptable. The uh, Leaving the, your foot in? The, like in the penalty box, mm, leaving no, your foot in no, when you're defending that, your tackles? No, I, I don't want to condone diving, but there's uh, I sort of take Gary Neville's position, which is is if there's contact, uh, and and you feel like it's a foul, you have a responsibility to your team to to make some make the referee see it, and you see plenty of plenty of examples of people staying on their feet and not getting not getting calls. The other thing, and this I think is going to be more controversial, I don't mind bothering the referee. Players bothering what? the referee. I don't like the whole army of 20 Barcelona players surrounding him uh, you know like a, like a pack of wolves but I think there's a real advantage in, in throughout the game in uh, pressuring putting pressure on the referee because referees are human beings and you, you can influence them like any other human being and if you create some sort of psychological uh, pressure in their mind where there's been an injustice earlier in the game if you keep badgering them and keep bothering them and it's worked for me in my in, in, in my career I think they're more likely to give you calls and I I, I, I know it's going to be a little controversial I honestly don't mind that I couldn't agree with you I disagree with you yeah. I couldn't agree with you less is what I want to say right um, 
I hate when people compare sports, but I do prefer the way it works in the, rugby, the where rugby, only yeah. the captain can talk yeah. to to the to the players. I, I find those sort of scenes where they're all crowding around. I find that really ugly, and it really does my head in. I mean, in Danny's defence, you know, players who do that are really just doing um, what is what is permi- uh, permissible for them to do. That's true. To be honest, the, the best way to do it is if they crack down on it and then nobody sure. can do it. Sure. So you can't blame players for doing it and trying to get an advantage like Danny has just said if it's if they get away with it, you know. It's different if all of a sudden, it, it you know, there's cards handed out everywhere. Uh, my take on it, I kind of agree with Ian. Like, I, I hate nothing more than, you know, I, I know Danny disagrees with the whole Barcelona-Real Madrid kind of thing, but um, it's, it's it's not something I would do. I consider myself a sporting... Sport. A gentleman, a, would you yeah, say? A purist. Yeah. I'm a gentleman on the field. On and off the pitch, right? Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. Thankfully, nobody's screaming and running to the exit. There's no real fire, no? I don't think so, no. No. It'd be quite exciting if there was. It's <laughs> sort of liven up your front shift on a Friday morning, no? Yeah, I know, yeah. It's been quite live already this morning. Right, so I think we're there. I think we're there, mate. Okay. Uh, on the line to talk to us about Liverpool v Dortmund last night is Greg Bukowski of The Guardian. Greg, if Klopp had been offered a 1-1 draw before the game, he probably would have been pretty happy. But will he be flying home a bit disappointed that a side didn't come away with the win? Um, I think... Given some of the chances Liverpool had in the second half, perhaps, but um, I think I, I think to, to go to Dortmund and draw one all, get the away goal, and to then have the second leg at Anfield, I, I'm sure he's going to be delighted with it, um, and rightly so. I mean, it was a it was a very it was a very mature performance, and I think Klopp's been keen to um, build a team with with character, and so far. Liverpool this season, they've they've struggled to to sustain that in certain matches. You know, they've they've, they've lost to teams you know probably expected to beat and shown a lack of character. I thought last night they bristled with character all over the pitch. Um, Sacco led the way at the back. Um, Origi, such a young player, um, showed back the character up front as well, and and did you know kind of gave a lesson to Daniel Sturridge in, in that you know attitude counts for a lot, even if he's perhaps not as yeah, let's talk about Sacco for a moment. Watching him was a bit like watching that moment in Pretty Woman when Vivian is transformed from that leather-clad laughing stock into the shiny princess figure who everybody loves. Uh, were you, were really? You, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Were you, were you just as surprised as as I was at this, or had this sort of been on the horizon for him? Well, no, not surprised at all. It's just he's such an odd player. I mean, he he can do the most routine of things yet make it look like it's a comedy sketch you know he's he, he's just you know he, everything he does looks odd because of the way he runs around and he you know he's, he's got these telescopic legs and uh, but he, he he can on occasion do you know have, have a have a very good game but because of the way he looks as he as he goes about his business he, he often suffers as a consequence. Although I will, you know, I'm, I'll be the first to admit that you always fear, as a Liverpool fan and probably as a PSG fan when you play with them as well, that there's a clangor in in Saka at any at any moment. Thankfully, last night had one of those games where there wasn't a clangor and uh, his physicality came to the you know to the fore. So um, you know, I think he had he had a very good game. And he played well. Um, that partnership with Lovren's coming along. Yeah, Lovren's improved immensely over you know the last. Since he came back from injury, really, in the last three months, um, 
he's starting to look like the player who Rodgers hoped to see when he signed him from Southampton. He's, you know, he's, he, 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 when he first came to the club, he was trying. I think he was trying to prove himself too much. He was, he was racing out from the back to try and win headers um, 15 yards outside of his box when he was leaving space in behind, which he, he shouldn't have been doing. In many, in, in many ways, Matt Hummels had the kind of game last night that, that Lovren had when he first came to Liverpool. In that, he, you know, he, he was found found wanting positionally and maybe trying to play a bit too much football and, and forgetting about his basic duty, which is defending. Um, which Lovren did really well last night. Greg, I just want to say on behalf of the other three here that we certainly didn't think of Pretty Woman at any stage during the match last night. Um, but I, I just want to um, throw it to a little bit about this Tuchel Klopp comparison. Um, so there's a lot's been made about Tuchel following in Klopp's footsteps um, twice now. Um, and then potentially there was also a bit of talk about. Tuchel actually breaking out of Klopp's shadow and perhaps becoming the superior manager. But I felt that Klopp actually got his selections a bit better um, last night. Origi, you've mentioned already, um, was perhaps a bit of a surprise but really impressed. Whereas um, Tuchel went for Durham, which had worked against Bayern Munich, for example, but didn't seem to work last night. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I think he missed, um, I think they missed Dundigan in midfield as well last night. And I don't think, Tuchel uh, quite got his, his selection right. I think I, I think you're right in that um, he's changing the way Dortmund play, and it maybe suited Liverpool last night that that Dortmund played more of well, we're trying to play more of a possession game at times, and didn't really go at Liverpool with the intensity say that Liverpool went at Manchester United in the first leg, and and. At times, I thought I thought Dortmund threatened to put the game to bed in the first 25 minutes when they were really going at Liverpool, but Liverpool hung in there and they didn't. They weren't as ruthless as I as I thought they would they were going to be. Um, and I, I think Klopp deserves a lot of credit for the way he set the team out. It was it, it, it was, but quite reminiscent of some Liverpool European performances of, of, of years gone by, maybe under the Rafa Benitez. In that, in the second half particularly, I, I thought. Liverpool, they went hunting the ball down when Dortmund entered Liverpool's half, but they didn't waste energy going pushing too high up and and trying to win the ball back in areas where they, you know where, where Dortmund were comfortable. So yeah, I I, I think um, I think Tuchel, you know, he's still got a, he's still got a way to go yet, but he's obviously having a very good season and a great start to his career at Dortmund. But I thought the the old Dortmund manager uh, won the battle last night. Greg, going back to Origi for a second, if you were Daniel Sturridge, would you be a bit fearful for your place next week? Well, definitely. I think the, the, the one thing I'd say is I wonder if Klopp maybe always intended to play Origi in this game and Sturridge in the in the match at Anfield just because of the nature of the two games. I, I think I think last night he needed somebody who was going to be willing when Liverpool were under pressure to to chase down a few lost causes when the ball was coming out from the back perhaps down to the channels and down into the corners and, and, and you know Origi being being as young as he is and as keen as he is would, would do the things that studies perhaps thinks is a little bit above um, and yeah I thought I thought Origi did all those things really well scoring the goal you know helped his case immensely but I think I, I wonder if next Thursday he he might actually go with studies because Liverpool will be expected to probably put more pressure on, on Dortmund than they did uh, last night. And that's where 
studies could be key. And also, if you, if you, you know, look at Liverpool's performance last night, I thought Coutinho was very, very quiet. And part of the reason for that is that he has such a good understanding with studies that um, if he's not on the pitch with him, he doesn't really have the same the same kind of mental connections with the other players. And I think that's, you know, he'll be key to Liverpool scoring next week. Uh, and probably studies will play, I think. Before we let you go, can we get a quick prediction? A quick prediction next week. I'm going to go 2-1 to Liverpool. Dortmund will get the away goal. It won't matter. Paddy, how do you think Tuchel will feel? Will he be disappointed? Uh, yeah, I think he will. But I, 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 I definitely think that Dortmund in no way consider themselves out of this. They'd be, you know, they they wouldn't be overly worried. I think. I think Dortmund would certainly consider them cap- themselves capable of going to Anfield and getting the result that they need. I mean, uh, if honestly, if Liverpool can get a, a, a result like they did last night, there's no reason why Dortmund can't do the same um, on away turf as well. And on a more serious note, what's your favourite Julia Roberts movie? I think we all know mine. <laughs> I haven't really thought about it that much. My best friend's wedding, apart from that really annoying part with the song. I thought that was the best part of the movie, no? (laughs) Yeah, there's a difference between me and you. Okay. Danny, (laughs) did you have a favourite Julia Roberts film? None that comes to mind. (laughs) Really? I thought Julia Roberts is a staple of modern Hollywood. I thought... Pretty Woman is a great film. Pretty Woman, yes. Stealing Magnolias. Yeah. Aaron Brockovich. Oh, Aaron Brockovich. No, I've not seen it. Notting Hill. uh, Yeah, Notting Hill is good. Yeah, good call on Notting Hill. Hard to beat that one. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Paddy, Danny, Ryan, Greg and our producer Damien. Go to the App Store and download One Football and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and SoundCloud at One Football. Football.